Well, as I said on last Sunday, when I introduced our theme, and perhaps I should say our goal, as we move toward our 155th, y'all have mercy, that's a long time, 155th church anniversary, I, I believe that God is calling us to level up. We need to level up our ministries, level up our discipleship, level up our prayer life, level up our study, and level up our commitment to God. You see, we indeed have reason to celebrate because, like I said, 155 years is a long time to be about the business of the kingdom. That's a long time. And you think about the people who started that. You think about what they had, what they had been through, what the, our generations have gone through. But we know that in celebrating our past and, and even our present does not mean that we are exempt from making provision for this church for the future. We need to do for the next generation what was done for us. We need to be faithful in the present so that the next 50 years, the next 155 years, will be fruitful for the kingdom of God. You see, it isn't enough for us to celebrate the now without an eye toward the next. Because there will be a next. There will be a next pastor. There will be a next choir. There will be a next chairperson of the council. There will be a next lady. There is going to be a next. Given that truth, I cannot help but believe that God is calling us. God is always calling us to go on. God is always calling us to more. God is always calling us to greater, to take the next step, to go higher and higher. In other words, to level up. In one sense, to, to level up implies that there ought to be some movement, some forward progress, or at the very least, some effort being made on our part. We are not supposed to be just waiting around for something to happen, but we are to be taking the initiative, taking some faithful steps to make something happen. Something that would better our lives of faith and the life of this church and this community. As Dr. Darius Daniel said, things don't move just because we want them to move or because times move. We've got to make a move. Amen. Now, Brother Sally, I'm going to tell you. When I wrote that statement down, I couldn't help but think about that song. And you know the song I'm thinking about. See, he's laughing. He knows the song I'm thinking about. Yeah, yeah, I'm dating myself. Make that move. Right now. Yeah, that's what, I know he's laughing, yeah. I wants won't make it or anything happen. We have got to make a move. Now, I was telling Brother Sally uh, uh, when we were walking in the day, and Brother Sally's like, Lord, I wish I hadn't seen her when I was walking in. She... But 
But I was telling Brother Sally that my sister this March will celebrate. Nah, I'm just saying, where's Miss Gladys? I'm just saying, Miss Gladys, I know you got to be. 50 years as a Delta member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. I know this because my sister has been talking about Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated since I was 14 years old. I just, I just need y'all to know. Oh, that's right. I, I see you over there, sis. I, I see. And the reason why I brought that up when I was thinking about this is that my sister goes to every, every national convention. Okay. You just need to know. And one time she came back, and I think it was Las, the Las Vegas Convention, and she said what the president, and y'all, I apologize, I don't remember her name. The president at the time said about the sorority, and I receive a good word no matter who gets it. She said this, and I quote, Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated is not a monument, but a movement. Amen? Amen. That's a word. In other words, that this church is not supposed to be a monument to the past. This church is not supposed to be a monument to any person. This church is supposed to be on a movement, moving somewhere for God. In other words, every round should go higher and higher. We ain't supposed to be a monument. This is supposed to be a movement of the holy in this world. And so last Sunday, when we talked about leveling up, we, we utilized, we used as a metaphor the song that we know to sing, we are climbing Jacob's ladder. And remember that, that Jacob, as he was fleeing his, bro, his brother Esau, amen, he saw, he sees in a dream that these ladders going to and from heaven. And our ancestors, somewhere around the 18th century, started to sing this song, we are climbing Jacob's ladder. In other words, slavery, nothing could keep them down. They realized they were, going, they, they were going higher and higher. And that song helps us to understand that to level up, our, our faith needs to increase. Our faith needs to grow. We need to go higher and higher. And yes, in one sense, to level up implies elevation, but it can also be understood as evolution. Daniel says, evolution will take care of elevation. Because all too often, we may not realize that we don't have the strength to climb. Or that we do not yet have the proper state of mind or, or soul force to climb. The movements we make may take us further from God and not closer. You and I may want to make our way to the next level, but we don't even understand our own selves or the present level that we're on. People like to say, you know, people like to say, people like to say, God will pour you out a blessing child that you will not have room to receive. Well, maybe it's not about the room we need because some of us are not in the proper state of mind or soul readiness to receive God's abundance. God can pour it out, but we can waste it. Amen. How many times have we seen those persons who have won the, the lottery and they got the big check, right? And they smiling, they got, and in a couple of years they broke. They weren't ready to receive that blessing. They squandered it. They wasted it. 
You, I wonder why are we at the same place? There's some people that are at the same place. There's some of us, we've been in the wilderness so long, we have taken up residence. We keep walking around that same bush. Didn't I see that bush last year? Yeah, you're still looking at it because we are still there at the same level, doing the same thing, being bedeviled by the same sins. We are at a level where we can see what's wrong in other people. I can see the speck in your eye from miles away, but I can't see the board up in my own. We like to pray that God might fix so-and-so. You know, God need to do something with her right there, okay? When our prayer might need to be, God, just fix me. What if our present situations and circumstances cannot fully change until or unless we change? You see, our prayers will change when we change. It, it never ceases to amaze me how we can want better. We can want more of God without being willing to open ourselves up to being changed by God. We want more, but are not willing to do more. Amen? Amen? We want better, but we don't want to do better. We want different, but we want to stay the same. All right. And since on last Sunday we talked about Jacob's ladder, and that dream is in G Genesis 28, it just seemed reasonable, fitting, that we speak about Jacob and his struggle to level up today. Here in this 32nd chapter of Genesis, Jacob is returning home to the land of Canaan, but this is no happy homecoming. Jacob waits in the dark of night, afraid to finish the journey because he fears what his brother will do to him. Remember, he left because his brother Esau threatened to kill him. Because Jacob lied and tricked their blind father Isaac to bless him, instead of Esau. He stole Esau's blessing. And I want you to know, if you read, go back and read that, Isaac was suspicious that, he, that it was Jacob. Amen? Because Isaac knew his boy. And matter of fact, he said, well, come let me touch you. Okay. And then he said, well, let me come over here so I can smell you. Okay. And then he just flat out asked him, are you my son Esau? And Jacob lied just as big as he wanted to and said, yeah, daddy, that's me. <laughs> lied. Lied on his blind daddy. Blind. His mama helped, I'll admit, but yeah. And because of that, he had to run because his brother's like, I'm going to kill you if I don't change my mind. Amen? Amen. And his mom, they said, you got to go. And so he ran to his uncle. And there he met someone who was as a big a trickster as him. Okay? <laughs> he met his uncle who also knew how to lie and cheat. Amen? Because he said he wanted Rachel for a wife. But then... His uncle Laban tricked him. Seemed fair, right? And made him keep working. And so he and his uncle are going back and forth trying to get over each other. This is Esau. And, and Jacob, there he is on the Jabbok River, and he, he sends um, gifts. He's, he, the animals, all he's doing is trying to bribe Esau. That's what he's doing. 
And then he tries to use his family as a shield. Still being the trickster. Still trying to get over. Still doing that. But his brother just keeps coming, and his brother's coming with 400 men. Amen? You see, life has a way of catching up to us. Sooner or later, all the seeds that we have sown will come up. You can play the game but so long, but there's always going to be somebody who can play that game with you, like you, or better than you. And at this moment of darkness and despair, Jacob encounters a messenger of God. And, there, and with all the commentators, there's dispute and disagreement. Some say it's an angel. Amen. Some say it's God. Some say that he's just wrestling with his own demons, his own soul. Doesn't matter. There's something of holiness there. And he wrestles all night long, and Jacob is determined in his, his desperate persistence to hang on to God, to, to pursue the truth at whatever be the cost. And in the process of his wrestling, Jacob finds a new perspective on himself. He finds a new perspective on and purpose for his life, his relationship with others. He gets some kind of peace. He starts to trust in the promised power and purpose of God for his life and not in himself. Because Jacob has been trusting in himself all along. He decided to make it for himself. You see, the first thing that happens to us when we have a, a real encounter with God, when we really wrestle with the holy, is not so much when we come to church, but when we engage in a, a wrestling match, when we struggle with the one who created us, the one who really knows all about us, uh, the one who knows how we reach for what we want, how we do what we think, how we try to get our own blessings. God will ask us the same question that God asked Jacob, what's your name? What's in a name? Everything. In this culture, the name, your name revealed one's character. Your name, to know your name meant that the person who knew your name has a certain power over you. Because like, yeah, I know you. I know you. Remember, Moses asked God at the burning bush, well, um, what's your name? What, what am, who am I supposed to say sent me? What's your name? God says, I am. That I am. That I am. Amen. Tell him I am sent you. Amen. Like, Moses, you can't get over me like that. God asks Jacob, what's your name? In essence, asking, who are you, really? Who are you in your heart of hearts? Who are you when nobody is looking? Tell the truth about yourself. The truth that you don't want anyone to know. The truth that you don't want to admit. The truth you don't want to confess, even to yourself. Confess what you've done wrong. Confess what you've been doing. What's your name? And Jacob answered, I'm Jacob. 
I'm Jacob. I'm, I'm the heel. As, as he and his brother were exiting the womb, Jacob grabs Esau's heel. Even in the womb, he was wrestling, trying to get out first, be the first one, trying to make his way for himself. I'm Jacob. I'm the heel. I'm Jacob, the deceiver. I'm Jacob, the thief. I'm Jacob, the liar. I'm Jacob, a con man. And once the con man's con is up, then what do you have? Who are you? I'm Jacob the manipulator. His heart's motivation are fully revealed when he confesses his name. You see, when we wrestle with God and, and take not only God seriously, but our relationship with God, our identity as children of God, seriously, when we take it seriously, God holds up a mirror so that we can see who, what, and how we really are. Because the world will try and tell you one thing. We get to see what we have allowed ourselves to become, enabling us to be convicted by our sin, acutely aware of our shortcomings and our desperate need for grace. Some of us act like we don't need grace. That's right. We think our giftedness is enough to help us level up. But your giftedness can take you to where God wants you to be. Just grace. When we come to the place where we are willing to wrestle, to work out our soul's salvation, then, then we can discover our best selves. We can see ourselves as God sees us. Uh, we can see what's possible for our lives and, and that God created us for more than what this world has tried to tell us we are. And even who we have always thought we would be. What's your street name? <laughs> That's right. I said it. What's your street name? Yeah, some, some people had a street name, okay. What's your party people name? What's your party name, amen? <laughs> <laughs> Brother Sally's over there going, <laughs> yeah. That's right. My uncle who passed away last year, okay, the family called him Bubba. His, his, his birth name on his birth certificate was Henry. But we always knew where people knew him from when they called him Dixie. That's right. When they called him Dixie, it was like, oh, oh, yeah, you know Dixie? Oh, that's how you know my uncle. Okay. <laughs> uh-huh. I knew where they knew Bubba. I knew where they knew him. Amen? That's right. I don't care what your name is, your street name is. I don't care how others have labeled you. In Christ, you have a new name. When you accept Christ as your Savior and you agree to journey with him all the way, you get a new name. You get a new identity. There's possibility for a whole new level. But you and I have to be willing to tell the truth about where and who we are. We can't get to the every wrong goes higher and higher. We can't get to the next round. Till we tell them more of the truth. Until we unburden more of what the world keeps putting in us. 
before he could go into a new life, before Jacob could go to what God was calling him to. Because see, he's going back in that prayer, and he tells the Lord, now see, God, you said, you promised I'd have all these descendants. You promised God. God's like, yeah, I know, I promised, but you got to be willing to give up some things. That you can't be that until you let go of the old. Until you confess that. You can't have that blessing. You can't have that life. You got to wrestle. We have to confess. And it, is, and it was then that God, God's answer was to give him a new name when he was willing to say, this is me right here, Lord. This is what I've always been. This is the way I've always done it. And God, I don't want to do it that way anymore. He gets a new character. Jacob is no longer wrapped up in himself because before it was all about Jacob, amen? He stepped over his mama, his daddy, his brother to get what he wanted. Doing what he always did. He got a new name. Simon got a new name. Peter. Saul got a new name. Paul. What's your name? At the end of that wrestling match, Jacob limps away from his encounter with God, and he does so with a new attitude that makes him relate differently to others. Y'all, you, we cannot have a, an encounter with the holy. We cannot have an encounter with God and remain the same. Baby, we, you need to go back to the altar because something didn't take. Amen. Can't be the same. You're the same today that you were last year. Something wrong. Can't be the same. You're the same this year that you were five years ago. Something wrong. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Every round is supposed to go higher and higher. Every year we should get closer to God. Every month, every week, every day. Yeah. 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 Can't be the same. Before this, he had seen Esau as a man bent on revenge, but now he goes out to him as a brother and finds love and not revenge because he's got a new mind, a new way of thinking after his encounter with the holy. When God transforms our thinking of who we are, we in turn can think differently about others. You can't make me mad like I used to get mad. No. change. This is what God wants for all of us. God is trying to make us into the image of Jesus and has put something so beautiful in us that you and I haven't yet fully discovered. Because it's all we ever gunk up in here. It's got to come out. That's one of the purposes of this place. That is one of the purposes of gathering together as a community of faith. Iron sharpens iron. You see, when we, when everyone, everyone needs a place, a community in which to wrestle, a place where we can not only hear our new name, but a place where we can claim our identity. 
But where also that identity is affirmed, you are a child of God. You are beloved. I don't care what they call you, what your name is out there. In here, your name is beloved. In here, you are a child of God. That is your identity. I don't care what you used to smoke. I don't care where you used to stand. I don't care what you used to do. You are beloved. God sent his son for you. Thanks be to God. I got a new name, not just in glory. I I got a new name right here. Amen. Amen. Here with each other, we get to go from glory to glory. Here together, we get to go to the next level. That's what it means to be the church. That's what it means to be the body of Christ. I don't know what you think church is, but it is supposed to be the place where we come together to worship, study, serve, witness, and pray so that we all might encounter God, so that we all might be transformed from glory to glory, so that we might go higher and higher in Jesus' name. Thanks be to God. If you don't want to do that, then you don't want church, but that's what church is. What's your name? Can you confess it? What's your name? Tell the truth. Nothing wrong with it. God already loves you. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Yes. Amen. Yes. You have to do nothing to prove that you're worthy of Christ's love. Nothing. All you have to do is say yes. Yes. Yes, he said, but, but I don't know what to do after yes. Just keep saying yes. Keep walking, keep coming, keep saying yes. Be a part of a body, an imperfect body, but we are all going on to perfection as we love one another more and more. My friend Nelda, and I know I can tell it to you because she likes it. Because she, anything she's done that might bring somebody to a better level of understanding. When we first uh, started coming to Wesley United Methodist Church, Nelda asked Otis Scott, because <laughs> um, we're about to celebrate Holy Communion. She said, why do I have to always confess I'm a sinner? Otis's response was, because you are. <laughs> because you are. We never, ever, ever want to stop seeing ourselves and our need for grace. And here's the issue. There is more grace in God than there is sin in us. Just allow God's grace to fill you up. What is that one thing that God is calling you right now to let go? To name. What is it, y'all? Everybody got something that's holding them back from the next level, from a deeper encounter with the Holy Ghost. What is it? You got to name it. You got to say it. Let us pray. Oh, gracious and holy God, we have heard you calling us. 
And, oh God, we want to answer. Help us, oh God, to name the one thing for now that is holding us back, that is keeping us at this level. Is it bitterness, disappointment, unforgiveness, anger, pride? Is it hurt? God, as we prepare to come to the table, to feast at your table, give us the courage to name it, to give it to you, so that we might have the encounter and go higher. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.